Welcome to this edition of the Million Dollar Mastermind Podcast. This is where we pick the brains of high achievers from all walks of life and get their hard-earned, real-world insights on winning. I'm your host, Larry Wydell. Good afternoon, everyone, and we're going to have some fun approaching things from a different angle today, and we're talking with Red Wiesad. Hello, Red. Hello, Larry. We have known each other for a long, long time, and uh, we're going to talk about things we've never had a chance to talk about, and so I appreciate you agreeing. I know it's a busy time. you got a busy business and a busy family and kids and grandkids and uh, relatives and everything, but thanks for taking out the time during the uh, holiday season to uh, talk. Well, I'm excited to be here. This sounds like fun. By the way, it was great being out at your place in Keystone, that double penthouse resort compound you you have out there. How long have you been out there? Is it in the foot of uh is it the foot of the gondola? Yeah. Yes, it is. Yeah. We've had this place since two thousand. We built it in two thousand. Man, the years have gotten away. And so a lot of fun times and of course we just got back from a big uh, convention, big retreat, a lot of people and uh you graciously open up your place. So uh a lot of people there from all over the country. So when Here's what I want. I'm kind of explaining to Red why I wanted to do this, why I explained to everybody else. <laughs> and that is, is we always talk or I always try and get on the highest profile, most successful people I can from different walks of life. And you get different viewpoints. You know, every place you sit in life, you get a viewpoint and you have different experiences depending. You can be in the same room with people if you sit on the left side, the right side. You see things differently. And uh, in most successful businesses, it's a partnership of some kind. And a lot of times it's divided up like a Mr. Inside and a Mr. Outside, you know, someone who's uh, the public person out front on stage, gets the interviews and all. Then you have the person who cleans up all the mess in the back. Sometimes it doesn't always work like that. I think I don't know what kind of Warren Buffett and Charlie Bunger, uh, what they're relationship was, but it, how they would break it up. But it was by, basically the two of them with Berkshire Hathaway. And in a lot of businesses, it's not Mr. Inside, Mr. Outside, it's Mr. and Mrs. Because in a lot of uh, businesses out there, the wife is the spouse is equally involved and just takes on different kind of roles. And I thought that, you know, when we're dealing with the Bobby and Red Wieson family, you're dealing with a legacy business coast to coast and, I don't know, dozens and dozens of million-dollar earners have been produced, Higher, you know, tens of, of thousands of people, not only in their organization or people underneath them have tens of thousands of people all over Canada and the United States. And that all started with Bobby and Red when Bobby was teaching at a private school, Wardwood Academy, near the airport in Atlanta, Georgia, and uh, they knew they needed to do something different. They weren't sure exactly what, and an opportunity came along. They jumped on it, and that's the one of the things that maybe we'll talk about, Red, is when opportunities come, you make the most of it because you never know where it'll go. But, Red, talk about, let's just do let people know why it I wanted to get you on as far as the size and the magnitude 
since Bobby's not here, you can just brag on the all you want on the size of the organization that uh, you guys have built. And uh, talk about your organization right now. Okay, we have 2,870 offices, RBP offices, in every state and every province in Canada. Well, now we have $72 million earners because the phenols just went over day before yesterday. Just went oh, over. did they? So, yeah, now we have $72 million earners in our hierarchy. We have over 66,000 life-licensed agents, and we have over 11,000 securities-licensed agents. Last month, our organization did over $16 million in premium, and we have over $33 billion in assets under management. We have... $435 billion in life insurance in force, which is more than the Hartford, more than Farmers, more than Mass Mutual. And we've paid out, our hierarchy has paid out over $11 billion in death claims. Wow. That's just mind-blowing numbers. Bigger than Mass Mutual, huh? Yep. I'm excited about that because that's that was a policy I had way back in the beginning. Oh, yeah. We had USAA. Every time their ad comes in and they talk about how great they are for service people, people in yeah. the service, says, no, they're not. No, they're not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, you guys, you know, we won't talk about the name of the company and all of those things because the lawyers just have heart attacks feeling like we're trying to uh, co-op their uh, – they have to have a job. But anyway, the thing is – we got involved in the buy term and invest the difference concept. We can say that early on. And um, when you had, you know, it was thought of as an illegal thing only by the, the whole life industry. Exactly. And uh, they lost, we won, and you guys were, were in it before I did. And so you've had the momentum of the success for all the years. Talk about how you, you started. Where were you when you got started? Because things have, so many things have such common uh, or typical type beginnings that you would never predict where it would go. But the patterns are set along a lot of times in the beginning when you're going through those those early stages. So where were you when you got started in this business? Okay, it's like you said, Bobby was a uh, was a basketball coach and he taught American history at a private school here in Atlanta. And I was teaching, but I had just quit teaching because I was pregnant with our second baby. And back then you couldn't teach if you were pregnant. They thought the kids might get the wrong idea, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> but I had just retired and um, we were living in an apartment and we were saving money and living off of his income and saving ours because that's what we were taught to do as children by our parents. And we were savers from the very beginning. And a guy that Bobby played basketball with at Auburn, brought Art Williams over to our house on a field training appointment. And Bobby was just mesmerized. He was, I mean, he loved this. He thought it was the most wonderful thing. He loved art. He loved everything Art said. He was really, he said, I want to be around this guy. He reminds me of all the great coaches that I had growing up. And I just love this. And I didn't really understand anything Art was talking about. We had a $50,000 whole life policy that we had bought before Bobby went to Vietnam. They called all the second lieutenants together and their wives and said, the life expectancy of a forward observer in combat is six seconds. So we suggest you get some life insurance. 
we talked to all these life insurance agents and we didn't understand anything they were talking about. They were talking about how much savings we would have with this policy and this policy and this other kind of, and it was just like, we didn't get it. And finally, the last guy that came over to talk to us was this little man with a bow tie and white hair. And he just looked so responsible and he did work for USAA. And he said that, you know, he gave us his proposal and we said, well, you know, you specialize in military families. So we want you to just tell us what you think we need. We had an eight month old baby and Bobby was fixing to be deployed for a year in combat. We didn't know what we needed. And so he did. He sold us a $15,000 whole life policy. And I guess I thought if anything happens to Bobby that, you know, I can live for the rest of my life on $15,000. I don't know what, but that's, <laughs> that's what we ended up with. Now, Bobby was not just a basketball player. Bobby and being a, a teacher at a private school was not his lifetime dream. He wanted to be a pro basketball player, didn't he? I mean, he was an outstanding athlete at Auburn. Talk about that for a second. Okay, he was captain of Auburn's team in 1968, back in the dark ages. And when he graduated, he had a commitment that this was, I mean, everybody got drafted. You know, this was during the Vietnam War. Yeah. He was in ROTC in college because his brother told him, hey, it's better to go in as an officer than as, as an enlisted man. So he went right. through. But then he had a deferment when he got out to play basketball. So he tried out for the New Orleans Buccaneers, I think they were called, the pro team in New Orleans. And um, he stayed on until the very last, and then he was the last guy cut before the season started. So that was a huge disappointment for him because it's like all he'd ever done his whole life was play basketball. He went to college and all that, but only to play basketball. He was kind of lost. He didn't know what he wanted to do from then on, but we did have this two-year commitment in the, in the Army. So he went into the army and we did that. But then when he came out, he was right back in the same spot. You know, what am I going to do with my life? You know, I want to play basketball, but obviously I'm not quite good enough. So yeah. it was a dilemma. So he got a job coaching. Well, one of the things was where he wasn't totally bereft of skills and fundamentals to prepare himself for a successful career of some kind because he had a tremendous uh, he learned about coaching. He played on successful teams. He had been coached by really good coaches. And he had learned about teamwork and also leadership because he was, you know, he proved himself because he was captain of the team. And that puts you in good stead if you get in the right situation moving forward in your life. You know, and all of us, uh, most of us on these calls listening in, have kids, have nieces, nephews, our young people around us that are look, you know, that we can give some direction to and uh, we're going to have. And so it's nice to know that you can tell what you can pass on to kids about making their early years useful in terms of developing skills. And uh, Bobby, I've heard Bobby talk a million times about repetition and putting in the hours and you know, if you want to make free throws, you know, you need to be out, out there practicing your free throws a couple hours a day. You know, he learned those drills and the repetition and putting in the sweat, that idea. And that uh, had to have some kind of preparation once he got into business and he started to get uh, 
his feet underneath it. And, you know, I, he was like me. It took a while to get his feet underneath him in terms of being in sales and supporting yourself on a commission, things like that. Yeah. And Bobby had great work ethic. I never doubted that Bobby would be successful because at whatever he did, if he had stayed in coaching, he would have been a successful coach because he had work ethic. It was like what you were just talking about. He knew how to work hard at something and he would work at it until he got it done and um, whatever the goal was. But he wasn't quite sure that coaching was exactly what he wanted to do. He wanted to be in charge himself. You know, he wanted to be the leader. And when you're coaching, you're inspiring them, but also you've got to have a leader on the team. to yeah. be the, He wanted to do that himself. Well, and the other thing is you're sitting on the sidelines. You know, you're not actually in the fight yourself. It's different than if you're out there playing and involved in the actual decision-making and, the you know, in the where the action is happening. So when did you get the idea? So you start off in sales. When did you get the idea that this could be a business for yourself? And how did that change your approach, would you say? Good question. I think that that it was just what we were going to do. Bobby, I wasn't really excited about this when it, we were first introduced to it. I didn't understand anything that Art was talking about. And I didn't understand his insurance any better than I had understood the guys in the Army that had told us about insurance. And I certainly didn't want Bobby to quit his job of teaching, which he did. He quit and went to work full time for Art right away. And I wasn't very pleased, but the thing that kind of turned me around was that Bobby said, we have enough money and savings to live on for a year. And I just want to try this for a year. And if I can't do it at the end of a year, okay, well, I can always get another job coaching and I can go back to that. That's kind of our thing in the hole that will always be there. But I just want to try this. I love this guy. I think art is just the most motivational person ever. And I want to be around him. I want to do what he does. And I just want to try it for a year. And I was like, well, okay, we can do that because I didn't want to spend our money. You know, I didn't want to spend our savings to live off of. So we just lived super frugally and we actually never ended up spending any of our savings. Thanks for listening to the Million Dollar Mastermind. If you felt there were any valuable takeaways from this episode, please take a minute and leave us a five-star review. Your feedback is important and really helps us get the word out to a wider audience. Remember, we have a valuable webinar that is absolutely free. Register for it right now at whitealamwinning.com. Thanks for listening.